as they often say, nobody ever breaks the crypto, right? They break the implementation of the crypto. We want to make sure that in the handful of cases where we have something that's incredibly security sensitive, that we have a set of developers who are especially trained and thinking very deeply about the risks and threats that their code must protect against. It's important to continue to work on the pipeline, right? Like making sure that we're supporting universities and providing mentoring opportunities. It's one of the few ways to ensure long-term success. Hi, I'm Guy Pajarni, CEO and co-founder of Sneak. And you're listening to The Secure Developer, a podcast about security for developers, covering security tools and practices you can and should adopt into your development workflow. It is a part of the Secure Developer community. Check out thesecuredeveloper.com for great talks and content about developer security and to ask questions and share your knowledge. The Secure Developer is brought to you by Heavybit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Secure Developer. Today, we have Peter Ehlert with us from Smartsheet. Welcome to the show, Peter. Thanks a lot, Guy. It's nice to be here. So, Peter, before we dig in, we've got a bunch of topics to, to cover today, you know, from Facebook to Smartsheet to security engineering. Can you just give people a little bit of context on, you know, what do you currently do and maybe how did you get into security? What's the journey you went through? Sure. So, I currently lead the security team here at Smartsheet, which includes a security engineering effort in protecting our product and our customers' data, as well as corporate kind of uh, IT security and protecting all of our corporate infrastructure. The way that I got started in security a couple of years ago, one or two, I was a developer at Microsoft, and it was about the time that they were starting to understand security a little bit more broadly, and were looking for folks to come and participate in the effort. And so it really was in a time before there were a lot of dedicated security programs and schools, it was a a time in the industry when there were folks kind of coming from lots of different backgrounds, and I raised my hand, so to speak, and, and really joined joined the fight. What was the first type of security job uh, that you landed into? Yeah, so I worked on what was then the, the SWI team, which was an internal pen test team, essentially. And so not unlike the consulting I would later do for a company called Isaac Partners, I consulted internally with different Microsoft products that were going to ship to try to identify vulnerabilities and weaknesses in those products before they, they went out the door. And that was, you know, circa 2002 and 2003. From there, I went on to do a startup for a little while. And then, as I mentioned, did uh, a bunch of consulting for a lot of years. And most recently, I worked at Facebook before coming here at Smartsheet. And at Facebook, I led the product security team. So again, focused on kind of the application security side of Facebook's products and, and making sure that we were trying to mitigate and identify threats before the products shipped. Cool. Well, sounds like a pretty sizable endeavor there. For sure. Let's sort of dig into some of these these different sort of steps, I guess, in it. Uh, maybe let's start from the end and then you know go back and maybe explore that that journey. You know, from from security at Facebook to security at, at Smartsheet. So at Smartsheet today, you know, you lead the security team. What does that look like? You know, what is uh, what is that team structure? Yeah, so the team that I've been building since I joined about a year and a half ago is really focused on looking at security holistically across the different set of risks that Smartsheet is under. So for the team that I have now, we've broken down into different focus areas. And there's about a dozen of us on the team. And 
given where we're at size-wise now, we don't actually have discrete teams, but we have individual focus areas where people tend to focus, and then there's a lot of cross-cutting concerns. And so when we look at the security organization as it stands today, we have a set of folks that are focused on application security and really working with all the products, all the code that Smartsheet ships. We're Mm -hmm. looking to identify risks, like make sure that we're find design flaws or things as early in the design as possible, validate the implementation, doing code reviews and static analysis, do dynamic testing, right? Kind of the traditional things you would think of from an SDL, secure development lifecycle, to build strong and resilient software. We have an infrastructure security team that's looking at all the things that we've deployed. And the infrastructure security team is probably the one that has the broadest reach, both from our production systems over to our corporate systems. But they're looking at the technology that we've deployed, how it's configured, how we're monitoring it and managing it, making sure that all the things are connecting together and are kept up to date in such a way that there's a a strong set of of information systems that we can deploy stuff onto as we need to. The third kind of piece that I talk about is an abuse function, right? In the detection and response side, uh, abuse has a special place for us and I think for a lot of other companies, right? Like we have folks that come and try to use Smartsheet accounts in ways that, that are against our terms of service or that we don't allow. And the abuse team is specifically really, they're focused on identifying those things, rooting out those people and blocking their accounts, but also trying to understand some of the the business models that go into that and make the cost of doing that business more expensive. Um, Certainly here at Smartsheet, and I expected a lot of other players, right? A lot of the abuse that we see is financially motivated. People are making money in some fashion, whether it's from spam or malware. and, And so... We're looking to disrupt that financial motivation is the strongest way to mitigate the, that abuse, right? Like we want to get really good at finding it and, and stopping it, but we'd rather make it so it just didn't happen at all. Yeah, no, interesting and, and smart. Kind of, I guess all of those things are things that are security measures that get built into the product. Yeah. And these, sure. these sort of three aspects then are all a part of that sort of dozen people working on. Yeah, they are. And there, there's one more piece, there's a fourth piece. And it's a piece that is a newer experience for me leading a specific set of developers. But we have one going on to developers that are on a, a tools and feature team, right? And this kind of specific focus area is really looking at the ways in which we need to augment our own capabilities to better identify threats and mitigate them faster, more efficiently, more quickly. It really came from the need that we had, that I kind of knew that we would get to pretty quickly, which is especially coming from a small team on, you know, a Smartsheet is a great growing business, but we're still on the early end of getting a security program put together and having, you know, a strong and resilient system everywhere. There's a lot of connecting that needs to go into that. And so our development team helps actually build some of the connective tissue between different data sources or different technologies, different tools, so that we can have a much bigger level up in terms of the capability of the rest of the security team. And then the the one other piece that they handle is 
There's a, a set of product functionality that's really very security sensitive. Crypto is kind of the best canonical example, right? Like when you have need for doing crypto engineering, not developing new crypto, which is never a good idea. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> for any kind of crypto engineering, right? Like there's still a lot of different threats that can go into it. You know, as they often say, nobody ever breaks the crypto, right? They break the implementation of the crypto. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make sure that in the, the handful of cases where we have something that's incredibly security sensitive, that we have a set of developers who are especially trained and thinking very deeply about the risks and threats of the code that they're writing that their code must protect against. Got it. So those are security skills or security-related capabilities built into the product, but not an aspect that is, like that responsibility sits with the engineering team and not with sort of, again, that the specific security team that you run, correct? No, so actually the crypto, for example, is a good example. Within our product, we have an internal library called LibSecurity, which is maintained by my team and the developers that are uh-huh. that are on the security team. And that's where we uh, put a bunch of the security-sensitive code so that the rest of our engineering team can use that, call into it effectively, but not have to focus as deeply on the specific vagaries of the implementation of whatever crypto operation is being done or whatever authorization or authentication mechanism is happening. Ah, got it. Okay, so I misunderstood before. So like, literally, the team does build a lot of these capabilities, making it easier for the development team or the engineering team to, to take advantage of them at the right places within the product. Yep, that's right. Interesting. Okay, so you've got a very so we've got this team and this team, uh, your team, do you sit as part of the engineering organization? Yeah, so we I report to the the chief technology officer and sit along with the the rest of the engineering teams here at Smartsheen. Okay, got it. Yeah, and it's interesting, and I think that's a pattern as we sort of talk through and you know had the pleasure of having various security teams come in and share their learnings here in the in the show. And it does seem to be a more kind of forward thinking perspective, and also one that fits the sort of SaaS companies or you know companies sure. where their product and their tech is is their core risk maybe as well, right? Yeah, you know, where uh, where the majority of the risk sits. Yeah, certainly for us, it's a useful place to sit, but in general. Making sure, whether it's by having them report together or whether it's just by creating the the right culture, the right incentives, and and the right fabric between teams, it's really important for the security team to be thought of as a partner and a collaborator and kind of equivalent to your engineering teams, right? So that there's both an equilibrium, but also a really good collaboration that can form around that versus seeing them as an other or another team that kind of gets in the way of things, it can be disruptive. And so it's another good reason to put them kind of next to each other, is that you get a deeper sense of partnership and collaboration oftentimes. Yeah, indeed. I absolutely agree. So maybe let's double-click into that, you know, and just understand, you know, so you have your security team. The security team itself is quite an engineering team, right, if you're sort of maintaining, or at least there's some element of skills can we chat a little bit about what is the skills makeup you know that you hire for in your team itself to create it and and what does that daily interaction with engineering look like you've already mentioned some aspects of it with these libraries and components that you work but you know when you talk about you know that work around dast or 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 in, in general sort of security testing that you build in or building that expertise you know, what's a typical way that your team interacts with the engineering team as they build software? 
Sure. Right. So in terms of the different skills that, that we're looking for as we build the team out and the, the different kind of roles, I tend to think about three different ones. And, and I think there's different nuances on that, but broadly speaking, right, there's, um, you know, there's certainly kind of the application security person who often this person might be somebody who was a developer at one point in their background or somebody who at the very least has spent a lot of time looking at code and, and figuring out the ways in which it fails, right? They're going to be an expert in kind of SDL type of secure design, implementation flaws, you know, OWASP top 10 and kind of all of the various mitigations. And when you get down to system stuff, you know, system level failures like how RCEs happen or memory allocations or, you know, all of those kind of things, really focusing on how things are built and how they fall down again. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, a set of developers, right, that we just talked about a little bit, right? These are actually people who certainly understand probably more than your average developer about security and risks and threats. Um, but as somebody who's still spending 60, 70% of their time writing actual code, Versus, I think the the AppSec folks that are a little more focused on just breaking it. There's a uh, the infrastructure folks, right, who are looking at the various ways that things are being deployed and monitored. There's kind of you know there's an infrastructure piece, and then there's also a monitoring and detection piece. Oftentimes they can be similar or closely aligned, but they can end up being different people. And I would say on our team we have you know a couple of folks of each. And so there are folks that you know have a lot of understanding about how networks and systems are deployed and managed, maintained, um, how to actually get stuff done and get it done securely and are able to help our SREs and our engineering team build and deploy securable and secure and hardened systems. And so those are kind of the three broad groups that I would say fit onto the team somewhere. There's also, we have a, a security TPM as well. Um, I can't go without mentioning. And that's another one that I think is uh, a pretty useful role. It was something that I anticipated we wouldn't get until we got to the far side of a dozen or more folks. Mm-hmm. And we ended up hiring them a little bit early, about eight months ago, and um, really helped Make the people that we were finding and already had on the team kind of more effective. I think, like most security organizations, we continue to grow and are are hiring as quickly as we can find qualified people. Finding those people is sometimes a challenge. Yeah, and so bringing a, a TPM on board was really a way to level up our existing folks, get them more time to actually focus on things where they had special knowledge. And make the team more effective, right? Around the productivity for it, and then you know, in these different skill sets, would you say maybe just one bit on the infrastructure uh, team on it is the skill set there? I guess how would you compare it to sort of the DevOps type skill set? Because in in development, we kind of compare them a little bit to engineer. Is that the right comparison with infrastructures to think about them as as DevOps equivalent? Yeah, I I, th- I think that that is the right way to think about it. You know, like a a lot of the new terms, there's the DevSecOps world, and and that term mm-hmm. is a little bit overloaded and means different things to different people. <laughs> but certainly in terms of here at Smartsheet, right, our engineers themselves are built into an organization where different feature teams kind of own own their systems all up, 
right? And so very much the DevOps world and the infrastructure folks that we have are really specializing in helping both the engineers on the team as well as building some of our own security infrastructure in terms of making sure that we're able to deploy, manage, maintain things securely. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think DevOps is a good a good analogy. So this is the team and you have these different skill set. You know, what does their interaction look like? You mentioned a lot of like, you know, help the SRE or you know, work with developers. How do you go about doing that? You know, how does the interaction between your team and the broader engineering and ops teams look like? Sure. So I, I tend to think about, you know, kind of the broad security program at three levels of interaction, right? There's certainly a set of, of technologies and plays that we're making that are largely independent of other, other teams and other efforts. Right. When we went and deployed static analysis, it's certainly not independent of our developers, right? Like they're a necessary part of, of an effective static analysis program. But actually getting like identifying the technology and getting it deployed and configured and integrated into our CI CD pipeline, that was something that wasn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of collaboration that we did. We just went and did that piece kind of independently. But then the next part, right, is the part, the, the next big bucket of work, right? After independent work from the security team, there's a set of collaborative work that's really working with other teams to go and accomplish stuff. And so our security team works with stakeholders across the company, whether they're in engineering or in IT, even legal and sales and marketing, right? Like we have a, a broad set of partners and collaborators across the company. And there are lots of times where we engage with folks at varying levels of interaction from Consulting and just giving them some eyes on what what risks might be and what types of things they can do to mitigate those risks to more detailed and, and complete analysis. For example, the AppSec folks, as new features are being brought out and shipped, right? There'll be a design portion where our AppSec person will review the design, look at the changes that are made. Basically, build a threat model, right? Like I sometimes eschew that word because people can have Pavlovian responses to it, <laughs> right? But a security design review is basically a threat model yeah. <laughs> by another name. And so they're building a threat model as we get through the implementation phase, right? We're actually validating that the threats have been effectively mitigated from the design review. And so that's a more detailed collaboration where not only are we providing some helpful thinking or some gotchas, but also doing a review of the functionality as it happens and, and providing more input in terms of either bugs or additional risks that the team should should look at mitigating or managing. And also even connecting that back into production in terms of monitoring. It's one of the things that I've talked about for a big part of my career that I think is really important, but um, there often isn't enough connection to what happens after things get shipped and how they're kept operating securely and making sure that the right information on what needs to be monitored and how it should be monitored gets to the team that does the monitoring is another important thing that kind of the AppSec folks will will help facilitate as they're working with a particular feature team to bring a feature to market. So this is again you're kind of using words like you know help facilitate and things like that so the the team doing the monitoring you know if you've if you've agreed on what is important to monitor from a security perspective the team actually looking at the dashboards 
are not the security team, but rather, I guess, kind of the, the application teams? So monitoring is a special case, right? Like we are pushing the, in, in terms of the DevOps model, right? Like we want to make sure that the application teams have as much insight into security problems that are happening in their features or product as the security team does. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly the security team also owns a big part of monitoring. And so that too is a is a partnership where we have folks right that are building our own. We have a, a sim solution that we pulled together data from different systems and have alerts, uh, monitoring that are checking on the things that we actually care about, and those go to our team as well as going to the feature team that owns whatever feature that's important. And so it's a partnership. I think it's mostly just that there's there's definitely a spectrum from kind of advise and consult to a deeper level of analysis and attestation to places where we will you know just go and do some of the implementation or go do some of the testing right like there's a spectrum there right in the kind of collaboration bucket. The third piece, right? I talked about three kind of broad buckets of work on the security program, right? The third piece is really the very incident-oriented response that happens whenever there's a production issue or a customer data issue or a corporate data issue. And a lot of that is just going in, not unlike the more planned collaboration, right? Like pulling together the right folks and figuring out what's the fastest, most effective, and best way to get something resolved, contained, and managed. And so that can, again, work the spectrum of like security will do it all up to security helps others understand what they need to do and drives other teams to go and, and implement changes. To an extent, you know what you've described is a bit of an of a transition, going from most planned to least planned. You know. <laughs> yes, that's that's very very true, and that's that's uh, often the way we we think about it to a degree. It's one of the things that's also been an important aspect of building the team and managing and and balancing all of the different priorities that we have with the set of folks that we have available is making sure that we're getting work structured in a way that we can continue to drive on some of those strategic initiatives that really have a much broader leveraged impact versus the more ad hoc work that is also important but oftentimes doesn't have the you know 2x 5x 10x type of outcomes that right. um, some of those strategic projects can yeah understood and how do you guide? I, I imagine you know you've got twelve people on the security team. You know I don't know what's the rough ratio. Uh, what would you say is the rough ratio between you know a, an appsec person and the number of developers that that they support? Yeah, I don't know that I have that right off the top of my head. You know, I think we're probably at a five percent. Yeah, sounds about right. So with that, how do you guide? You know, what type of uh, Guidance or ask, do you give the engineering team to know when to pull you in? You know, you talk about DevOps, you know, they're working continuously. These design review steps are not always as clear cut. How do you inform them about when to pull you in? Yeah, that's a really good question, right? And it's still one that I think that we're we're working to get better at. I think ultimately our goal is certainly to leverage the the entire organization, you know, the engineering team as well as the rest of, of Smartsheet. And it's really about helping people understand different categories of risk and things where they might be important. And so we create structured ways for us to engage with teams, right? And the design review is a good example of 
you know, all the teams know that as they're coming up with the design and kind of putting things down on paper, virtual paper, as it were, that they're going to have a conversation with us and with some other engineers as well to kind of look at the design and, and vet it out. But we also are working on less structured ways in which we're providing training on different types of application threats or infrastructure threats or even physical threats, you know, phishing and, and mass malware to strange people around around the building, um, getting people just kind of more aware with security so that they're on the lookout and ready to say, hey, what about this, whenever they see something that they're not quite sure about. It's definitely a challenge, though. Yeah, I guess there's no simple uh, solution for it. Can you share maybe a learning or two? You know, you describe a fairly mature program. I imagine it wasn't born that way. <laughs> you know, sure. what uh, what are some sort of uh, you know key key evolution or two that you've undergone? You know, in this uh, this last year or so. Yeah, I think right. So when I started here at SmartSheet, the team was a lot smaller, right, and a lot of it was about building the team out and and trying to. Um, get an organization that was covering all of the, the threats that, that Smartsheet needs to care about kind of day in and day out. You know, one of the things that you have whenever you're facing kind of a, a huge amount of work is, right, the prioritization exercise is always really important. But I often like to think about it a little bit in the negative, which is to focus some time in thinking about the things that we're specifically not going to do. And kind of having that thought process in advance gives you a little bit more structured thinking in terms of being ready to look at whatever might pop up and see if it cleanly aligns with a we're specifically not doing that right now bucket. Because when you've had kind of a, a rational threat-based prioritization on the things that you're not doing and you've decided that for whatever reason you can put that down, it can help keep you focused on the things that you are going to go do and do really well. And so in terms of keeping people from getting randomized and scattered in terms of their, their focus and effort, I've found it's a, a useful tool. And certainly, I think, for any, as anybody who's run a, a small security team can attest, right? Like, it's a very randomizing type of effort where you always are playing whack-a-mole. And so the risk, right, is that you stay too far in that tactical, like, let's just address stuff as it comes and never get to those bigger, deeper leveraged wins that we talked about that are ultimately one of the most important things in terms of long-term success. Yeah, no, for sure. Fully agree with it. And so you, know, you have to win some of these things and then you know set up your capacity for it. So that's you know kind of a key learning has been just basically adjust your your workloads to your team size to ensure you actually get things over the finish line. Yeah. That's very, very helpful. I mean, let's maybe go back in time a little bit. So we know we've sort of Heard about status and maybe some evolution of the uh, of Smartsheet. Let's go back in time into Facebook a little bit. What was the primary methodology you, you know you were you were driving there around working with indeed the dev team and how does it differ from from what you're applying today? Sure. So I mean, certainly I was really excited when I went to Facebook in terms of the security team that they had already built and some of the technology that they were were building. I was a, a little surprised when I got there to find a little bit of their culture. You know, and this was 2015, so a few years ago. But for the folks on the security team there, a lot of it was looking at how to enable and collaborate with engineers 
effectively without slowing them down, right? And so making sure that they could continue to churn out kind of mm-hmm. high quality products and that the the right things that were happening, but really with a big focus on trying to make sure that engineers were super effective, super capable, and able to get stuff done. And so I think some people would look at that and question whether or not there should be kind of hard gates around things in terms of, you know, you have to go through this process to go and do these things to get, you know, this code released. And I think there's reasonable questions about that that are good to have. They were good to have, you know, in 2015, and they're probably uh, as good, if not better, to have now. But the thing that I would say from my perspective is that putting your thinking cap on in terms of how to actually make that work is a really valuable thought exercise, if nothing else, right? And from what the team was able to accomplish without slowing down developers in in really significant ways, I think is really impressive. And a lot of it was just about taking a step back and saying, hey, if we assume that we have to do this, like, what are the things that we can do? And so when you look at the types of technology and the process that we put together at the time, and, and at least to my understanding is still being used to a degree, it's really about investing heavily in frameworks, investing heavily in automation, investing in better analysis and understanding to prevent context-aware information to developers and engineers and leaders so that they understand security at kind of a glance and can make good choices make the right choices as they're making them. And so we put a tremendous amount of effort in sets of capabilities that I think are ultimately really valuable for Facebook and and for lots of others. Just to sort of echo that back a little bit, so like this is the philosophy or the mindset was still very much on, you know, you want to empower the developers to do it. You don't want to slow people down, but you understand that sometimes you need gates. You know, you do need to... uh, to put some threshold, and the way to achieve that was kind of a combination of automation to just make something fail. So, you know, and with the right kind of context to allow the developer to do something about it, or maybe not fail, but just sort of highlight relevant information. So, you know, the security team's job is giving the developer the right information at the right time to move forward, but not to require like calling unless, you know, except for edge cases, not need to like call the security team to get through something, but rather have developers overcome it themselves? Is that... Yeah, right. So definitely in terms of, you know, things would get integrated into the build system so that if somebody... I can think of one case where there was an API that that we didn't want anybody to call, right? And so we basically added a a check into the build system where it would get flagged and, and say, first get rejected, and then if they tried to continue... It would get flagged to the security team for kind of deeper review, but it put up enough of a gate there so that if somebody really did want to do that, that we could go and have that conversation about why they were doing something that we were pretty sure was was not the right idea. There was a lot of effort put into kind of static analysis, right? Um, in fact. Mm-hmm. The hack system, right? Like putting hack over PHP and adding the type capabilities that hack adds. A lot of that is incredibly useful in terms of building an effective security static analyzer that can go and find code defects. Mm-hmm. And so even aggregating, you know, static and dynamic analysis results along with, you know, pulling in bug bounty data. Facebook has, you know, one of the largest bug bounty programs in the world. 
it provides a lot of signal in terms of different known defect points and also right places where the engineering process led up to and released software that was then found to have a security defect in it right and so that's really valuable information in terms of giving a view on how vulnerable or risky a different part of a code base is, right? Whether it's from a leader's perspective in terms of how many security bugs is my team writing that we've identified, to an engineer's perspective of, okay, I need to go and implement something and I think it needs to go over here, how much risk is in this section of the code. And so that kind of detailed contextual insight is valuable information. Got it. So you know you're coming in. You you know you did kind of some good security work at uh, at Facebook. You know you have that perspective. How much of that do you feel you took into SmartSheet and could apply? And how much was different? So there's there's definitely things that are different when you go from a company that's the size of Facebook's to a company that's the size of SmartSheets, right? And you know we're over a thousand people. Um, I don't know exactly what the the number is, right? But it's a big difference in terms of where the two companies are. I would say um, the biggest thing that I think I took from Facebook, and well, you know, I've brought to SmartSheet, but I think will continue to bring along in my career is really that mindset of, okay, how do we enable the business and our engineers to go and do stuff and be more effective, right? Like, what is the way that we can get around? whatever risk that we're highlighting and be ready to get to a point where we're like, yes, let's go do that, right? And it's not saying that we're going to accept all the risk or ignore all the things. It's challenging us as engineers to be more creative, more thoughtful, and think about deeply, how do we get to that yes, right? Mm -hmm. What's necessary to get us there? And always bringing that, that thought process to kind of every new risk that pops up is really the way that you can manage that risk and, and do it really effectively, but also get away from what has often happened in a lot of security teams that I'm both aware of and even um, some of the teams that I've seen or worked with over the years, is getting you know a team that has a reputation for being a blocker or saying, mm-hmm. no, don't do that, or getting in the way, right? Yeah. And so... That thought process of how do we get to yes is, I think, one of the most important things that um, is is super impactful. I think the continued focus on automation and frameworks is also incredibly important, and even something that we're doing here at SmartSheet. Right, like we're probably not going to write our own static analysis tool mm-hmm. the way that Facebook has, but we're certainly going to leverage existing tools and capabilities and augment them for our specific needs. Same with frameworks, right? Like we're not going to go and write a bunch of specific frameworks like React, Mm -hmm. but we can take existing frameworks that have great security properties that already mitigate a bunch of security risks and and make sure that we're deploying them and using them consistently. And, And so I think the mentality is what stays with it, right? Like the details of how you go about it with 12 engineers versus, you know, 30 or 130 are different, but the ultimate goal of getting that leveraged impact from using uh, frameworks, from using tooling, and from um, understanding what's going on, it sticks with you and it certainly has guided a lot of the the choices and the foundation that I've set for the security team here at SmartSheet. Cool. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. You know, I love that. And I, I think it kind of came through in a lot of the previous conversation as well, both the 
the bias for automation, but also just the sort of the core philosophy of being a positive, a partner to engineering, you know, a, a supporting entity, helping developers. Like I think that very much uh, came through and is a great path forward to make security a business enabler. Yeah, I think that it is really important. You know, the automation and frameworks are also incredibly important because, you know, we talked a little bit about hiring before, but there aren't nearly enough people, right? Like, I remember 15 years ago thinking, like, hey, this security thing is great. But, you know, what happens once these universities start churning out all these candidates and there'll be a glut? And if anything, that absolutely hasn't happened, right? Like, the demand has only further outstripped supply year after year. Mm-hmm. And so we're in positions now, you know, in the last five years where it's really hard to find great people to fill roles. It's important to continue to to work on the pipeline, right? Like making sure that we're supporting universities and providing mentoring opportunities and doing our part in terms of getting people coming from different areas or who are just out of college, giving them opportunities to grow and, and build their way into the industry. But as much as we can all do all of that and also support you know, diversity, which I think is also super important, the automation piece is the way that we can actually leverage the impact of our few available people in a broader and broader way. And so ultimately, I think that it's one of the few ways to ensure long-term success, right? Like I can't guarantee that I can hire 15 new, really excellent security minds next year but I am pretty sure that I can have the software that I'm running and writing this year still running next year. Yeah, it's, it's basically the, the solution for scaling. And I, you know, the, the security talent shortage is, is very much real, but then on top of that, there's also just the, the efficiencies, right? And, for sure. And automation, not just for your security team skill set, but also for unlocking, indeed, a bunch of these developers uh, to carry the load of some of the daily activities there, right? Yeah, absolutely, right. Like you get to the whole kind of DevOps world, and and so much focus is built on you know infrastructure as code and managing, using automation to further leverage the systems that are being rolled out and and maintained. And so there's lots of good things to say about automation for sure. <laughs> yeah, you know that definitely definitely helps a lot. So Peter, there's like a whole bunch of other topics I want to I want to dig into, <laughs> but I think I think we're uh, we're out of time. It sounds like you're running a very forward thinking team, and I love the perspective you know thanks for sharing on just the structure and how the team works and how do you how do you think about skill sets and interacting with the different teams and and how how these learnings you know which learnings kind of have applied from from the large you know company surrounding a facebook to you know smaller team in, in smartsheet and working with those before i kind of let you uh, uh let you on to your your day job i love to ask every guest that comes on the show if you're you know, talking to a team that's looking to level up their their security caliber here and trying to learn, you know, to be better. What's your sort of one pro tip, or it could be like a pet peeve that you <laughs> currently have? You see people getting wrong uh, that you'd give guidance to improve on. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, I think that our conversation kind of alluded to it, but I will say that for me, the thing that a lot of security organizations kind of fail to always recognize and often fail to recognize early is the power and capability of enabling the rest of your organization to help you get security right. And so Mm -hmm. if you're not thinking about how to help educate and communicate risks to kind of your, your company broadly so that then those folks 
all those individuals can go and help identify risks that maybe you're not going to have insight into, then you're missing the boat, I think. Um, Dino Daisovi just did a keynote at Black Hat kind of mentioning very much the, the same thing, right? Like we need to make sure that we're collaborating and partnering deeply with our organizations and giving them better information to help us find risks and mitigate them effectively. Yeah, no, spot on. Fully, fully, fully agreed. You know, I think it's the only way to scale. So if people want to to join, you know, or sort of explore these jobs, you know, in that talent shortage around in, uh, in Smartsheet, where should they go? Absolutely. Just go to smartsheet.com slash careers and you can look at the available jobs that are up there now. Sounds good. Well, encourage people to check out the different jobs and indeed the sort of forward-looking surrounding. Thanks a lot, Peter, for coming on to the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, and thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And I hope you join us for the next one. That's all we have time for today. If you'd like to come on as a guest on this show or get involved in this community, find us at thesecuredeveloper.com or on Twitter at thesecuredev. Visit heavybit.com to find additional episodes, full transcriptions, and other great podcasts. See you next time.